Hi, and welcome to Embark, where we like to have better conversations about, well, better conversations. If there's a way to improve the way we connect and communicate, we're here for you. I'm Liz Solar, and one way we communicate is through the spoken word, like in books, which don't write themselves. So today we salute the unsung heroes of the publishing world. They are literary ninjas. Many of the best-selling works of nonfiction or memoir is written by someone you probably have never heard of. I'm talking about ghostwriters, those hardworking scribes who put their egos aside and let someone else take the credit for what's on the page. Today, we have the fabulously talented and prolific Sherry Grenadier on Embark. Sherry has written and edited over 150 books, including several that have made Amazon's bestseller list. She has written for large corporations like Vogue, as well as national publications like Better Homes and Gardens, Women's Day, and the American Diabetes Association. She also writes content for websites and creates content for narrations. So, Sherry, please whip up something that we can work on together. That would be fun. She's here in studio, so let's say hi to Sherry Grenadier. Welcome, Sherry. Hi, Liz. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm very happy to be here with you today. We've, we've been seeing a, a lot of each other lately, and I'm, I'm liking that. I love it. Yeah, we always have a great time talking. We do. <laughs> so you have a quote on your website that says, a writer should be joyous, an optimist. Anything that implies rejection of life is wrong for a writer. So in light of the numerous rejections most writers endure, what drew you to that quote? Oh, I think it's just to let people know that their story is important. You know, what happened to them is unique to them. And I think everybody does have a story to share. Uh, our lives, when I, I love interviewing people and finding out what has happened to them, how they got through it, solved a problem. And to me, that is what's so helpful that can, they can pass that information on to others. I don't want to sound too elementary about this, but let's start with a definition of what a ghostwriter is and what a ghostwriter does. Yes. Um, a ghostwriter basically is the person behind the scenes that gets the book written. And the operative word is ghost. We, you know, as ghostwriters, our job is to make the author look good, uh, bring their words to fruition, and also organize their thoughts. I hear this a lot from authors when they start to write a book. Um, either they don't get very far or they just can't put their thoughts into sentences that really make a whole lot of sense. And so that's where the ghostwriter comes in. And that's something that I love doing. I love crafting sentences, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Now, one thing, and I don't want to be a troublemaker here, but it's so much part of the conversation, chat GPT. So some writers say, oh, it's a great tool to organize those thoughts and put things down on paper so I at least have a starting point. Is there any threat that that affects the type of work that you do with authors or your clients? No. In fact, you know, every author is different. When I approach a project, um, you know, there's times when the author doesn't have anything other than an idea in their head. And then there's others that have written all sorts of content and it's all over the place. So it, it always varies. Um, and I just approach each one and try and make the best out of what 
we have and try and get what their message is and focus on that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, How do you meet your clients slash authors or do they find you? Do you work with publishing houses? How does that all come together? Yes, all of the above. Um, (laughs) I got to say a lot of times it is referrals uh, where an author I've done their book, they will refer me uh, to uh, someone that they know that wants to write a book as well. That is always really common. Uh, Other ways, I submit proposals on various websites where projects are listed. And then the other way is I'm listed with about eight different publishers that have me as one of their ghostwriters. So they will approach me with a project that they have, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a memoir or a nonfiction book, those are the two that I like to focus on. And then there's other situations where I've had to revamp a manuscript. For whatever reason, the um, prior ghostwriter did not get what the author wanted to accomplish or get it done in, in the way that they are happy with it. And there's many times I've had to go go in and revamp a manuscript, So, which is just like rewriting the book. <laughs> well, I think it's even more difficult in some ways. Many years ago, and I'm not a sewer, but someone made the analogy of it's easier to make a dress than to try to redesign an old dress because it just takes more artistry. You have to pull it apart. You have to figure out how the pieces are going to work together. So you really have your work cut out for you as a ghostwriter yes. if, if you kind of clean up on aisle nine. Yeah, exactly. And and that it's not that I don't want to, you know, I appreciate what the other ghostwriter went through to get and that what they did done. And I get that. But at the same time, if it's not coming across uh, the way the author wants it to, and or when I read it, if I find that, you know what, this could be said a different way, mm-hmm. um, then I will just take out the most important points and then rewrite it from there. You don't always get a full manuscript. You might get, what, an idea? Or maybe I don't have a clue as to what to write about, but someone told me to write a book. Like, where do you meet most of your clients in their process? Yes. Um, when I begin with a uh, an author, a lot of times, like you said, they just have an idea in their head. If that's the case, uh, the the priority is to create an outline which kind of serves as our roadmap and guide uh, to writing. So we stay on track. Now, when it comes to a memoir, though, that is all about interviewing the author and asking the right questions and diving into their past and what they've you know, experienced and how they got through it. So that is not as concise. It's more I kind of feel my way through it, if that makes sense. I mean, there's been times when I've written memoirs that are so emotional that it's like, wow, you know, you better have a box of Kleenex near you. I mean, they're, you know, you are diving into someone's life and it is a very personal relationship when you're meeting with the author because they're sharing their kind of their deepest secrets, you know, what they went through, how they survived you know, just various situations like that. So my most recent project I did for a woman that was adopted. And I thought, wow, that would be an interesting story. You know, like, did she find her parents or birth parents and so on? 
Well, it wasn't your typical adoption story per se. It was more about pointing out the fact that people need to realize that when a baby is adopted, that that baby has been taken away from their biological mother. And it was kind of, you know, primal in what she experienced and how she got through that. Eventually, she did um, meet her biological parents, but the difficult part for her was while her parents, her adoptive parents were very loving, uh, she felt like a fish out of water her whole life and she didn't know why. And so that's what the book was diving into. So to get into that, those are some pretty emotional issues that we had to dive into, but it really made for an interesting read. Absolutely. So when you have a person come to you who say says, I need someone to write this book, but you know, every person has their own particular point of view, set of experiences as that young woman does in their own particular voice. How are you able to capture and channel all of those things so that the book sounds and feels like that person? Yes, that is a big part of the interview process. It's almost like, I don't want to say I... um I just find a way to connect with them initially, for sure. That's very important. We have to be able to communicate with with each other, feel comfortable, um, you know, so a trust that has to be developed. And then from there, as I go through the writing process, I, you know, I have had a chance to get to know that person. And then you realize, well, this is how she would say it, or he would say it. And that is what helps me write the book in their voice. And I have to say the biggest compliment I get is when the author says, or even others, boy, that sounds just like me. Or, you know, I felt like it was her talking. That is the biggest compliment is to have, you know, to be able to reflect somebody back to themselves or to the people who know and love them. So kudos on that. Have you ever had times when you decided there's no way I can write this story or write for this person or I can't, don't want to channel what they have to say? You know, with memoirs that hasn't really been um, too much of a problem in that regard, um, there's been times where I have met with an author and and actually even just writing a nonfiction book, something that's very cut and dry. And I remember there was one person I had where I basically rewrote the chapter three different ways. And all three ways just were not working. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I am, you know, knocking myself out to make this person happy. But there's times when you just realize, you know what, we're just not connecting. Does it happen very often? No. That's why, you know, having a preliminary interview, getting a chance to talk to the person is very important. And obviously getting their goals in line with what you can offer them. And so, but anyway, sometimes it happens and it's hard. You know, you don't want to give up. I, you know, like I said, to rewrite a chapter three different ways. (laughs) (laughs) that's quite the, you know, after a while, okay, three times you're out. So that was the one case I remember. Right. Because especially when it's one of the first chapters too, I think writers try to get those so right and, you know, be authentic to voice. And those are the chapters that capture the reader 
really quickly, or they should, or else people are going to stop reading. So to take a few exactly. different stabs and put it, you know, a couple of different ways, does that feel like a loss to you? Or does that feel like, oh, I could have done a better job? Or do you walk away thinking, I, I really could not connect with this person, and there was no way that this was going to be a, you know, a healthy situation? Yes. When, when that happens, I realize that I'm just kind of hitting a brick wall and there's just no point in continuing on frustrating that person as well as myself. And, and it can't be for not the effort, you know, not for trying, because, you know, that is certainly something I will go above and beyond to get, get it done right. And so, but then there's time, you know, there will be times when you're right, you just don't connect. Many of the books that you write are in the nonfiction or memoir genres, and most people don't realize how many of those books are written by ghostwriters. I mean, you can take the most famous person, let's do Prince Harry for lack of a, a better name, but it's pretty timely to, you know, whoever is writing that business book, what, you know, what happened on their way to becoming a CEO. Those are primarily written by ghost writers. Can you give an estimate of like a percentage of how many books that we might see on the bookshelf that are in those genres that are written by ghost writers? Oh, yes. I would say 80% minimum. Yeah, I would say 80% are, you know, it, the bottom line is it, it boils down to time. You know, most of the CEOs that I've written books for, lawyers, business owners, they're busy doing their job. They're busy being a lawyer. They're busy doing, you know, what they do, and but they need a book or they've been asked to speak or they've been asked to write a book about what they know because of what they've accomplished. And so the bottom line is that is what it boils down to is just time. Exactly. And I want getting it done. I, I want to get back to that concept of time too, because that that is the, the gold standard, right? You know, our time is really precious. And for some people they they just don't have it and they do need that assist. There's the other school of thought where, you know, two heads are better than one, or I like to collaborate. Do you find that your writing is more effective? If you are writing it solo, having interviewed the client or writing in conjunction with that person? Yes. Yeah, so when it's a memoir, I like to interview them. And basically, I always tell them the initial uh, meetings that we have would last one hour of interviews, which is plenty. Uh, that's long enough. Any longer than that, after a while, we both kind of get antsy. Um, <laughs> or you just got to get off your computer or go take a walk. Um, and, but I find that with the questions that I ask in that one hour, that basically allows me to create one chapter based on that one hour interview. That's how much we can get done in that hour. Very effective. Um, then there's the nonfiction books that they will give me the outline. This is what I want to address. They may have some content, some research may be required as well. And then I kind of get a rough idea of what they're looking for. And then it's it's faster, yes, if I can just co-create it. And then what I like to do after I've created that chapter is read through it with them together. Uh, I have found this to be very effective. The authors love it. And they often have light bulb moments during that process. So it's we can do that content editing pretty quickly and efficiently uh, because when I've sent you know, if I, I work on where I create three chapters initially and send those to the author, well, for them to sit down and read three chapters, 
and get that done in a timely manner, I have always found is not always conducive to getting it done in that timely manner. Uh, So I like to continue meeting with them every week, once a week for an hour, and we will read through the chapters as they're completed. Very efficient. Right. It gives a chronology, but it also gives a sense of accountability to the process as well, because you both have to be meeting, you know, on a pretty regular basis to get it right. Yes. And it is a collaborative effort. You know, they're just as rewarding for the ghostwriter as well as for the author. Um, And, you know, they find that that is the best way for them to reach their goal. I bet. Well, give a sample of some of the types of books and subject matter that you've written. Wow. How long is our podcast? (laughs) Um, (laughs) We really don't have that much time, Sherry, (laughs) because... I know, I know. Well, probably my most favorite one is um, a book I wrote for a clinical nutritionist who used to be a pharmaceutical rep, um, selling drugs to doctors, hospitals, et cetera, all sorts of medications. He was making a fortune a month. Unfortunately, when after he watched his mother go through a horrible death as a result of being on several medications... He basically quit his job and became a clinical nutritionist. And if you ask him what he does for a living, he says, I heal people from drug-induced diseases. And that book is still probably my favorite one of all um, because he documents the fact that so many of the meds that are on the shelves that we can buy over the counter that don't even require a prescription can be just as damaging as the ones that do. So he, the whole book is about not only his story, what he saw and went through, but educating the reader about, you know, what happens in the body when you take, you know, an anti-inflammatory. Your job not just requires a lot of education, but it gives you a lot of education as well. That's what I love about it. It's kind of like getting paid to write a paper. <laughs> well, a very long <laughs> paper, though, a very long paper. Yeah. And speaking of long papers... I want to get back to the question of time, because how much time does it take you or any particular ghostwriter to write a book? And and how many pages would that be? Yes. Um, a, a good size book um, is typically 150 pages, plus or minus, but roughly in that range. When you get beyond 200, that can be a bit much in, in some cases, but not always. It just depends on the, you know, on the topic and the genre and how much. And sometimes I recommend that the person do two books if it's like too crazy, where we can't get it all in that, you know, 150 to 200 page range. Um, But typically I write three chapters in one month and then spend the last week of that month reading through those chapters together. So sometimes that last week I, I might meet with the author two or three times till we get all three written, read through, and then we go on to the next three. And that is what I have found that works for me and allows me to get that done in a timely manner. Do you find that there's a variation among chapters where some are, you know, maybe a couple pages long and some are 15 pages? Or is is there a real formula in terms of how long chapters are? You know, the rule, there's really not necessarily a set rule Um, But I I do like to have a chapter at least at eight to 10 pages long and sometimes 15 to 20 is okay. Um, And then there's other books that, you know, you 
they're they're dividing their stories up into chapters. So if that's the case, then the chapter is probably going to be more in the 30 plus page range. Um, so again, I, I just kind of, every project's different. Um, and I divide it up based on that, based on the topics, what we're covering. There's times when I've been writing a chapter and I get into it and I will recommend, you know what, we need to make a chapter just on this topic. Can't get it all done in, in that particular one. So most authors are appreciative of that input. Of the books that you've ghostwritten now, how many of them, you know, percentage-wise, become audiobooks? Ah, yes. I think that uh, needs to be more and more. But I, I know audiobooks are becoming more popular, and this is something that I do address with the author. Um, obviously, we have to get the book written before it can be narrated, and so I think their their goal initially is obviously to get the book printed, but audiobooks are I think are the, a great way to enhance what you've written. And to be honest, I I feel it's always good to have a professional narrate their book for them, not necessarily have the author narrate it. Right, and you've actually narrated quite a few of those books. Yes, I have. I. Um, was very excited to uh, narrate a, a series for the uh, NBA, the National Basketball Association. So I, they did a series of books on various players, famous players, that um, definitely warranted a book. And, you know, I was asked to narrate those. And kind of surprised me a little bit because it was for the NBA, but at the same time, they, they enjoyed my voice, and I was grateful for that. Yeah, and I love when, when people mix it up, when there are no preconceived notions of, you know, whose voice is right for a project. Sometimes it's the surprising voice that's the most effective. Yes. You've said writing is not the hard part, a statement many other writers would challenge, but it's marketing the book, which you'll probably get full agreement there. What part do you play in marketing the book? Yes. Um, I talk about that even before we start the writing. Um, in my initial meeting, I will address that very issue at the very beginning. And, um, you know, marketing the book is something, in my opinion, it never ends. Um, <laughs> but that's a good thing. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, in my experience in, in marketing my books that I first wrote when I first you know, wrote my first two cookbooks. Um, it, it was something that I, you know, found that one gig led to another. And it was, you know, amazing to see the doors that opened as a result of having a book. So, you know, the marketing part for me was, it, it just led to doing cooking demos, to doing, um, warm-ups in, in Dallas in this big convention center where I put 1,500 people through a warm-up, um, an exercise routine to um, talk shows, television, radio, spokesperson work. I mean, it just opened all sorts of doors. So having a book can do all kinds of things. Now, I'm going to put in the liner notes, Sherry, the top 10 reasons to hire a ghostwriter, because I think it's one of those things, you know, Andy Warhol had said something about in the future, everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. I believe that everybody's going to have a book. Ah, 
<laughs> in some form, right? So I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd love for you to share with the listeners uh, the top 10 reasons to hire a ghostwriter, but could you give your top three? Uh, yes, top three would be definitely they're just not getting it done. Oh my gosh. How many times have I talked to an author where they've been, you know, working on it for years and just aren't getting it done? So that would be number one. I think a ghostwriter is good to bring your story to life. Even though it's still the author's idea and knowledge in many cases, obviously the ghostwriter has the writing chops to bring it to life. And that is what you are paying for. And the third, you know, no one has to know. Operative word, ghost. There's nothing shady about hiring a ghostwriter. I mean, it might seem strange that, you know, ghostwriters most, for the most part, don't get credit for writing the book, but, you know, uh, rest assured, that's not my goal. My goal is to make the author look good. Well, I always have the opinion that there are certain things that you shouldn't do yourself, like you probably shouldn't cut your own hair or take out your own spleen. And whatever you can outsource to someone else, then perhaps you should. And and and, and maybe talk to someone like uh, Sherry Grenadier, ninja author and ghostwriter. You can find her at SherryWritesForYou.com. You can find her books on Amazon. A few of them are her own titles. The rest of them, we can't tell you the names, right? Because that would kind of blow the whole ghostwriting myth. <laughs> Sherry, thank you. This has been delightful. Thanks for the conversation and the knowledge. Oh, thank you, Liz. Appreciate you having me on. Back to you. Thanks again to Sherry Granadier. If you like what you hear on Embark, if you enjoy these conversations, please share this episode with a friend, tell people about it on social media, and please subscribe. If you have a story idea, just want to say hello, comment on something at lizsolar.com. Next week, we're going to talk about taking that all-important pause. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for listening.